Hello again, and welcome to episode five. Mark, can you believe we've done four other ones already? It's amazing. We should be celebrating this momentous occasion. A big, a big number like five, we really should be doing a special episode. Yes, I, I, I didn't think we'd get here, but here we are. <laughs> here we are. Well, I know that I haven't been able to talk to you much this week. You've been uh, quite, a, quite a busy guy, but uh, I yeah. have to ask, were you able to get anything cooked this week? I was. Yeah, I'm not going to talk too much about the family stuff, uh, but it's been a crazy week. Very little time for uh, cooking at all. But uh, temperatures were real nice just the other day, and Nicole came home with a couple of ribeyes and some potatoes, and it was my job to cook them. So I got the Primo fired up, got a nice charcoal fire going, and uh, did a little two-zone action. They got a nice little divider mm-hmm. in there where you can actually just put you know coals on one side, go indirect on the other side, and uh, just st- sometimes the simple things, man. And I'm not even that big of a steak fan. Uh, red meat, just in general, I probably prefer, if I'm going to have it, I would prefer something like brisket, but I'm not a huge steak guy, but there are just some days, a good steak over charcoal and potatoes. You don't get much simpler than that, yeah. but it just hits the spot sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ribeyes, they're, they're fun to cook because they have some of that intermuscular fat more so mm-hmm. than, than other pieces. And yeah. They're pretty good. Even if they're overcooked, I still eat them. So yeah, yeah, the the, the fat in there de- definitely helps to make it a little bit more forgiving. <laughs> I yeah. got to cook for my family that doesn't want to see much uh, red in there, so I have oh. to carefully treat mine. Well, they don't like red. They also don't like flavor, so I have to be careful. <laughs> I have to be careful what I put on it, <laughs> and mine wow. always stays apart from theirs. So always managing multiple things. I'm not. I try to be accommodating to that, but I, I always find it funny where the people who are like. Hey, how do you want your burger cooked? And then every single burger comes off exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. It's all well done whether you wanted it that way or not. I do try to accommodate when I can. Yeah. My parents definitely like it more like that. And as I've gotten older, it's I've acquired a little bit more of a medium taste. So Sure. And then my wife likes it still raw, which Oh, really? Yeah, she's <laughs> she likes it. And it's hard to cook for me. I mean, it's I've screwed up a ton of different steaks because of that and then she'll give me the look of you done messed up a ron and it's uh <laughs> it's funny because you would think the you know on the more rare side of things a lot of people would think that it's the easier thing to do right you just give it a little kiss of heat and then it's you know it's done but uh people who like it that way are going to be a little bit more picky about yeah. how far you've cooked it and you it's way too easy to just go too far with it correct yeah and like we've talked about before i mean especially on a gas grill an extra mm-hmm. 30 seconds is, is a make or break. Easily. Yeah, that's all it takes. Question, though, when you're doing your ribeyes, especially yeah. if there's the nice fat layer on the side, mm-hmm. um, on the Primo, are you able to flip it vertically and really get that fat to... If you want to hold it. I mean, okay. you've, you've got pretty standard grill grates on there. So mm-hmm. if you can balance the, the thing on there, my, I, it would be very hard to balance. Um, if maybe there's some rig or something you can come up with yeah. to keep them there, but I definitely try to do that. Um, so if I got a big chunk of fat there on the side, um, I, I like, if I'm going to eat any fat at all, I want it to be like flame kissed. Like yes, I really absolutely. want it to have a little bit of that crunch to it. Um, so it is worth taking the time directly over the coals, flip that sucker on its side. Mm-hmm. And if you probably have long enough tongs that it's not too hot, yeah. uh, you know, do that and make sure you get that, uh, that done. But it's not something where I could just set them that way. They're not really going to stand up. Yeah. Gotcha. And I'm asking because I'm going to have that Primo here soon. So mm-hmm. um, You're going to love it. It's I, great. I know. I can't wait. Just be, to change it up. I mean, I've done Offset and Pellet for a long, long time. And yeah. I want I want another variation. Well, the, the one of the best things about it, and I think in future episodes we could talk more about things like fuel efficiency. And we kind of touched on that with fuel types and different cookers in the last couple episodes. Um, one of the things that's fantastic about it, it was one charcoal chimney worth of charcoal and I dump that sucker in there start the cook everything's fine I cook four steaks and a bunch of potatoes when I was done close it off close the top choke everything off I go back in there maybe four hours later and there there's still a ton of charcoal in there from one load of charcoal and that stuff is going to be ready to use the next time I want to cook the fuel efficiency of a Kamado with that one inch thick ceramic is uh, off the charts compared to anything else yeah, and it's it's awesome. I mean, and a lot of people might not realize that one little uh, ch- one little uh, chimney stack can last you quite mm-hmm. a while. I mean, it's not like you yeah. need a whole bag of charcoal for uh, 
an hour cook. Yeah. I mean, you'll spend more money on the cooker in, in some of these cases. I guess some of them aren't too, too, you know, um, too expensive, comparatively speaking. But uh, in terms of saving money on the fuel itself, you'd be hard-pressed to find something long-term that's going to do better than uh, a Kamado would. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. Um, what about you? So I mainly yesterday. Yesterday was Saturday, and uh, I did th- two racks of ribs, some burgers, mm-hmm. um, a sack of potatoes, uh, and what else was there? Oh, uh, a stick of cream cheese as well. So Nice. Um, I have, I think I have ribs down pat. I like the competition style and I've got a rub that I really, really like, but I, I'm trying to change them up a little bit just to see if there's a backup mm-hmm. that I like as well. Um, and again, my kids mm-hmm. and my wife like the sweet stuff. So, uh, we sure. went with the, the honey bourbon bacon maple something or other, but I like all those words. Yes. All those things together. Very, very <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. So let me ask you this, just for anybody who maybe doesn't know, you said you like it competition style. And, mm-hmm. and I think the show is sort of catering to people who may be new uh, to barbecue. What, what do you mean by that? So by that, I mean that when you take your bite, it, it, I mean, it, you can't just like pull the bone out. That would be considered fall off the bone. And in my opinion, that's more of a backyard style, uh, mm-hmm. which is great. Or, or overcooked to a lot of people. Correct. Or overcooked. Because essentially at that point, it is, it is just pulled pork. Yeah. Once you pull those bones out, you can shred it and mistake it for pulled pork, mm-hmm. um, which is great. I, if, you're, if you're new to it, I would rather have it be like that than underdone where it's not coming off the bone at all. Yeah. Um, but to me, competition style is when you take a bite, it pulls just a little bit, but um, the, the meat is, you can definitely tell that it's rendered. I mean, when you take that, yeah. that bite, it explodes in your mouth a little bit. So yeah. to me, and that's it releases what, pretty clean from the bone still. Yes. Yeah. So it's right. intact. Take a bite, but you can see your bite mark. Yeah. Yeah. You can see your teeth <laughs> when Correct. you're done. <laughs> yeah. And it takes time. Um, and I mean, from my experience, if you deviate, oh, like 10 degrees, that's kind of the difference between, in my opinion, overdone and uh, that competition style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually find the, the competition style a little easier to cook. Um, if you, if you follow the advice of the three, two, one method, mm-hmm. uh, where you, where you do that last, uh, or what is this? Uh, I don't even do it necessarily. That's why I'm yeah. fumbling over it, but it's the two hours where you're in the foil, let's say, um, right. that's basically steaming the meat at that point. And that's where you're going to make the transition from, uh, you know, from what you're talking about, the competition style to fall off the bone. And you could use that as a tool, you know, to kind of push you in one direction or the other, depending on your preference. Uh, but that's something that I've started to leave out of the cook if I don't need to do that. And I do prefer having a little bit of bite on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and a little bit of pull away on the bone. I don't necessarily want those suckers to slide right out. Yeah. Sometimes it's just not even worth my time to wrap. I just do a full four to five hour cook mm-hmm. directly you know, on there and I just control my temps and man, is it a fantastic rib at that point? Yeah. A little bit more Texas style then Mm -hmm. they like to just let them ride. And I've done it both ways. Uh, I prefer to wrap, um, because I throw a bunch of other liquid based like butter and honey and brown sugar. More flavor opportunity there. Yes. And so another good thing is for ribs, like let's say you're on a time crunch and once you wrap them up, you can kind of justify your timeline then. Like if you're 30 minutes to potentially even an hour, that's a little bit much. But if you're that far behind on your timeline, Mm -hmm. crank that sucker up after it's wrapped and make sure it's not like right on the grates or not in your hot spot. But you you can make up some time pretty quick. Sure, yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully here soon you'll be able to really get into some bigger cooks now that it's starting to get it's hot out here today i'll tell you man and in missouri the humidity i mean this will be my second yeah we got we got here at the end of summer last year and the humidity really kicked in at that time mm-hmm. um it's only may right now and the humidity has has jumped up i don't know if it's going to stay here it will probably get another break from it but it's it's all of that and trying to to get the, for me it's you know it's a recreational thing i enjoy going out there and cooking 
Um, and if it's really crappy outside, <laughs> too much heat and humidity, it is a bit of a deterrent to yeah. get out there. So I'm hoping I get a little bit more time this season to get out there before the humidity gets here and I have to take a little forced break. Yeah. You've been there almost a year already. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Going on a year in uh, July. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, let's call it that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Having lots of fun here. All right. Well, you know what? I think I want to give uh, some contact information just in case you guys are curious because we're about to answer some questions. Um, so if you want to check out our website, go to thestallpodcast.com. Um, of course, you guys have submitted some great questions. You can do that at stallpodcast at gmail.com. And I believe we still have that submission form on the website that they could use as well. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. I think so. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, that that's how you get your questions in. And, uh, you know, the questions are going to fuel this show, uh, pun intended, in, in the future. So definitely send those questions in. We love hearing from you guys. Yes, we do. All right. Well, uh, Mark, you want to read the first one then? Do you have it pulled up there? I do indeed. Okay. So although, you know, Google Docs kind of suck because now I have to widen my window so I could see the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we've got a question here from Mark with a K. He says, I have a LSG, that's a Lone Star Grills, 20 by 36 pellet smoker arriving in a few months. On the podcast, Jevin mentioned having a technique for enhancing the smoke flavor, approaching what an offset could offer. Could you please share the details? Thanks. Look forward to the next podcast. Well, before we get into that, I have to ask. So what's your opinion on people that are named Mark with a K? They're doing it wrong. Oh, okay. There's no, there's no style in a K. Mm. You know like, what I mean? That's boring. It's like, vanilla. Like John without an H or? Yeah, it is. I mean, there's just something missing when I see that. It looks it looks like everyone else's name. C is really the only way to go. But I'm not going to judge Mark too, uh, too harshly. His parents made a choice. That they did. Um, so I have a question. Is, the, is the, the LSG, that's Lone Star Grill, correct? Yes, sir. 20 yep. by 36. Now, is that what you have? You have an offset. I have a Lone Star... Yeah, I have a Lone Star Grills. It's an offset, but Lone Star Grills also does do uh, pellet smokers. Okay, but are they and the they same do some size? like they. You know, I haven't really looked into their pellet smokers. Okay, and I, I mine I believe is a forty-eight. So what they offer, just looking at their website real quick, the Lone Star Grills twenty by thirty-six, and then they have a twenty by forty-two. So they're both generally a smaller format. Okay, and I say so, smaller compared to like larger offsets. Gotcha. I'm trying to. Uh, I think that's a little bit larger than my uh, Jim Bowie, actually. Okay. Which is the biggest one from uh, Green Mountain. Well, when you see stuff like this, um, you know, people who get into pellets, you start thinking, I guess maybe you get at the top level because you're walking through Home Depot and you see this thing called a pellet smoker. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's where you start to learn about things like Pit Boss or Traeger. And you go, well, you know what? I have a little bit of extra money. I really want to put some extra money into this. Where do I go from here? Then you might learn about like Rectech as an example. And I may be leaving out brands here. So forgive yeah. me, I'm just giving an example. But then you find out that there are other companies out there um, thinking like, I guess his Pits and Spits, one of them, I yes. believe that has some pretty yeah. amazing ones. Uh, these Lone Star Grills models, by the way, pricing on this, if you want to know, the 20 by 36 is almost $2,700. Mm -hmm. um, so these are not cheap. You know, when you go to this level and you have that much, uh, you know, that much steel involved in these things, these are not the, and especially Lone Star Grills that's uh, made in Texas, you know, that's U.S. made. Um, and, and you compare it to something that's, you know, made overseas that's brought over here. Not saying, you know, not making judgments about that, just saying there is a huge quality difference yeah. uh, between these and the price reflects that. So Correct. I guess you might almost call these, you know, like super premium in a way. Yeah, and you're you're paying a little bit extra for that thicker steel, which yeah, in turn, um, it keeps that heat in a lot better. Yeah, I wonder how that impacts it because uh, for pellets, all I have is is that thinner you know metal. I don't really have the kind of advantage I have like on the Lone Star offset um, or the Kamado for for you know as another example. So something like this uh, pellet smoker that has that kind of insulating value to it, mm -hmm. I wonder how differently that cooks. Well, we're getting way off topic. Here. I know. Real quick, I know. Like on a, an offset, if you can find uh, a tank that is quarter inch steel, that's mm -hmm. like that's like the festool of of a smoker. I mean, yeah. And there are some that might even be closer to three eighths. Not fun to work with at all. But if you have the tools to work with it, 
Yeah. That thing is just it weighs so much more, which is crazy. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I think Mark had a question. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Someone says pellet girls and then mm-hmm. Mark and Jevin talk for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so tricks. And I'm curious about this myself, having a pellet smoker. Um, and I know the only thing I've ever done to really enhance the flavor is experiment with a smoke tube yep. and adding additional pellets in there. But that's as far as my knowledge on that goes. So I'm curious what you do. Yes. So the biggest thing I can say is adding that smoke tube. Um, And if you don't know what that is, it's essentially just a tube of expanded metal almost. Um, It has little slots in it for air. Um, And on the directions, it'll say to fill it with pellets, take a a lighter or a, a torch, torch it up till it starts up, throw it in your smoke chamber and just let it cook with the meat. I go to another level. I have countless amounts of uh, offcuts or pieces of bark from the offset smoker. Um, and I will take those and sometimes I will soak them in water for mm. 30 minutes to an hour, take them out before I get ready to start the grill up. And then I'll layer them in that tube. So you've got pellets, your offcuts, pellets, offcuts, and kind of just compact them in there, light it up. Make sure it gets going really well because you don't want to throw it in the chamber and then close the lid because it's not getting enough oxygen and it'll just smolder. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is, again, it's not going to be an offset, but it it helps with that bark a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, if you have like bark scraps, pieces of bark from a piece of wood, uh, that is where you're going to get a lot of those flavors as well because it doesn't always burn as clean, which with a pellet smoker, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, the pellet smokers generally are very clean flavored to the point that people who like traditional or you know charcoal flavor barbecue might find it underwhelming. So adding a little bit of something that might be a little bit, I want to say dirty smoke, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but... Yeah the bark can sometimes do that. You're, you sort of do need to overcompensate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, with an offset, I don't know. I don't think any amount of dirty smoke is going to hurt anything unless you're doing something light, like a, a fish or mm-hmm. something like that. But yeah, even something can't handle it. Correct. Even a chicken for the, uh, the amount of time you're going to be doing it. I think you'd be okay. Yeah. I've even heard of people who will take wood chunks and put them like right over top of the little fire mm-hmm. cup that's there down at the bottom. So usually there's a shield that sits on top of that yep. and they can put a chunk right on top of that. And that could, I've never done it before, but I've heard of that as being a possibility. And that's kind of effectively doing what electric smokers do, where it's just a heat yes. element and a chunk of wood, right? Yep. So it's a, it would be worth a try. I've heard some people even take some pellets and throw a handful okay. on top there. So that might be something to think about, but smoke tubes are pretty cheap, you know, so it doesn't hurt to, to buy one and try that. Yeah. And I have done like taken a small uh, split of a of a log and thrown it in there, kind of like you would you mm-hmm. would see on an offset inside the chamber, um, and it worked. Yeah, uh, I didn't put it right on the damper plate, but I had it on the grates in my hot spot, and um, I, I was a little worried about it flaring up. I didn't want it to take off, and then me have a fire yeah. inside of the the cooking portion. Yeah, that but, might be tricky to control. <laughs> Yeah. Um, another thing that you can do, it'll, it'll enhance that flavor and give you a better bark for the offset is don't be scared to put more pepper on there. Um, especially for a brisket. If I will do like, Oh, a time and a half of pepper than what you typically would and make Mm. sure that that's on the meat first. So if you're, if you're going to use a binder, I'll hit it with, I try to get 16 mesh pepper um, it's mm-hmm. sometimes kind of hard to find, but, uh, it's, I think it's the perfect size granule and hit that really well. And that's going to, as the smoke hits it, it's just going to give you that, that rich, dark bark. Hmm. Very nice. Mm-hmm. I think that was pretty good there for Mark with a K. Sure. Eventually we got to an answer. So that's good. Yes. All right. So our next one here is from Alex. And his last name starts with an A, so can we just call him A squared? Yeah, Alex is the, I like to call him the meme machine. He makes oh, yes, uh, that's a, true. an astounding number of memes for the Wood Talk podcast. <laughs> He's a good guy. Yeah. 
Well, he has a question here about smoking seafood. And the question is, so smoking salmon is popular, but what other seafoods do you guys like to smoke? And are there any other particular seafoods that lend themselves well to smoking? And are there kinds that are impossible to smoke well? (laughs) Well, you just mentioned something that if you um, be careful with the amount of smoke, because some things might be sensitive to it sending them in a bad direction. Correct. <clears throat> I think seafood is one of those things that you do have to be careful with to, to know exactly how that seafood is going to respond to it. I don't have a lot of experience smoking seafood myself. I'm, anytime I do seafood, it's going to be more of a hot and fast uh, method. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what you've done. Gotcha. So as of lately, obviously, the salmon, and in, even in the past, the salmon is by far probably my go-to for seafood. Um, you can do it in the bites like I've done recently or, and Walmart even sells these now, they sell just individual little planks of cedar that -hmm. you can, um, I like to soak them in oil just so they don't catch fire either. Um, Mm -hmm. and usually I will put those, put the salmon with the skin still on it right on that cedar plank and, and kind of let it, let it do its thing. But Mm -hmm. I try not to throw in any hickory or... I don't use mesquite, but any of the, even the oak, uh, I don't use. I'll try to only run a cherry or a fruit wood. Yeah, you got to stay in the fruit woods, right? Yeah. And and the reason you do the fruit wood for that is just because it's a, a less intense smoke flavor. Mm-hmm. Like a mesquite and fish, you don't want, I would, <clears throat> I would assume you don't want to try that. It would be interesting to do a little bit of a experiment mm-hmm. like that. Because, I mean, that's the advice that, I hear all the time, you know, especially things, same thing with chicken and pork. Um, there's woods that are more appropriate than others, but I would like actually like to side by side. Like if you had mm-hmm. a piece of salmon smoked with, you know, these, these lighter fruit woods and then something that smoked with something a little more intense to actually put the flavor with it and go, yep, that tastes like an ashtray. <laughs> and that one actually tastes delicious. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and then hopefully during this, this summer, and now that I'm doing this podcast, it's kind of fun to do the experiment thing. Uh, right. So I, yeah. so we can talk about it. And that is definitely one that I'll, I'll, I want to try. Yeah. And I would like to try more seafood. I can tell you with, um, I've done a lot of salmon and while it's more of a grilling technique when you're doing like standard cedar plank, what are you effectively doing? You're, you're charring and singeing that mm-hmm. cedar. Right. And I, yes. and I've done this with the uh, alder as well, just I happen to have a lot of alder in the shop. Um, so I made a whole bunch of alder planks for myself. And my wife and I, that was one of the early things before I really got into smoking that we loved. And especially if you get just the right amount of heat where you start to singe that, uh, that, that you know, and whether it's the cedar or the alder, uh, you get that effectively get that smoke kind of curling up and over the fish. Mm-hmm. Man, the flavor is just out of this world. Yeah. Yeah. And so f- f- fish is kind of interesting anyway. I mean, a lot of people either like it or they don't. Um, yeah. And I've had people... And with salmon, you can go multiple different ways. You can go savory, you can go sweet, mm-hmm. um, and I've made it for parties before. And they'll say, "Oh, I don't, I don't eat salmon." I said, "Just why don't you just try it? Try this." <laughs> and they actually really like it. But when they go to a restaurant and have it, they don't like it. So I think yeah. adding that smoke flavor, I don't know that, or they've just had bad experiences. But just that extra layer of flavor. Uh, Especially for salmon, I guess that just does something different to the meat mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. I particularly like it with the sweet okay. um, profile. So if you have like a mustard brown sugar mm-hmm. layer that you lay on top and then you do the plank and, and cook it that way, oh my gosh, is that amazing. It's pretty indulgent, but yeah. oh, so delicious. See, and my wife likes it that way. I'm the opposite. I like it savory. Give me butter, okay. garlic, herbs, all that, and sure. just drown it. Yes. Yeah. I'd eat that too. <laughs> uh, one big thing for salmon, I will say real quick, is that you, before you cook it, you want it to sit out. Usually it's about like two hours uh, just on the counter. And that's going to, it's going to start to release these oils. And then that is oh. when you want to start to season it. Um, no kidding. It'll, okay. it'll bring in the flavors a little bit better. Nice. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Uh, but All right. other kinds of <clears throat> things. I know we talked about salmon, like shrimp. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm sure you could. Um, I've never done it. I, I prefer mine hot and fast. Uh, but, uh, I know a redfish is big down in Texas and that can be smoked. Um, tuna, I would assume tuna could be. Mm-hmm. 
I think that comes in like the little bumblebee tuna cans. It says smoked salmon. Right. Well, and I think you've also got um, you've also got the the cold smoking thing that we're yes. not even talking about too, right? So that that can change things as well, depending on what the the fish is. Mm-hmm. And I've never cold smoked anything. I have not either, but uh, I do have a guy that's local here that he built his own little cold smoke house uh, just mm. for this and for jerky and all those kind of things. So yeah, yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Good deal. Well, well, we definitely, if that's a weakness of ours, we definitely need to, uh, this summer, explore seafood a little bit more and see yeah. what we can report back on that. Yeah, and I know people uh, do like crab legs and stuff too, but. Mm, okay. See, and I like those barbecued though. Like, I mean, when I say barbecue, I mean just like over a hot grill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's so good. But smoked, who knows? Maybe, yeah. maybe it would be better. I don't know. Okay, should I get this cleaning question? Yeah. I mean, we could spend a lot of time on something like this, so we'll try to make it brief. Ashley wrote in and says, how often do you need to clean a grill or smoker? So I'm going to I'm gonna say one of the, there's multiple answers. This is like, how often do you need to clean your bathroom? Well, I mean, it depends on how much you use it, what you've done on it, and yeah, how picky annually. you are about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah once a year, like yeah. most people. Um, <laughs> so when it comes to the, a grill or a smoker, I, I mean, the thing is, most of um, the heat is sanitizing this thing for you. If, if you're worried about bacteria, as soon as the heat gets up to temp and you knock all the, the schmutz off the grate, it's really a not a lot that's going to happen there in terms of stuff that's going to be unsafe. But you will find people who prefer to have a spotless um, set of grates. They want a spotless grill and they will go through the trouble of you know, cleaning every single time they cook. Then you got the other end of the spectrum where people are like, hey, that's free flavor. Why am I going to scrub this thing clean if that's all imparting flavor when my cook chamber is actually well seasoned and well used? So, you're, you know, there. I don't think there's any one right answer. I do think in general, you want to be safe. And for me, I only clean as much as I need to. If I'm working on a pellet smoker, I clean the chamber if I have a lot of dust, if there's a lot of buildup of dust. And that could be, I don't know, 10 to 20 cooks, depending, uh, where that dust builds up, the ash builds up enough that you want to take care of it. Yeah. Um, I clean my grates every single time, um, whether it's with a you know some kind of a, a wood scraper or um, I try not to use the bristle brushes anymore. Um, I may just take a little clump of aluminum foil and some tongs and just rub it across there when it's nice and hot. Uh, I keep those grates fairly clean, but I'm not taking them inside to yeah. wash them. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's about it. Unless I start to see, you know, uh, things falling and flakes falling from the cook chamber and the lid onto the food. Uh, generally, I'm not really touching that stuff. Um, but I will say, ideally, once a year, I actually will go through, take a hose to these uh, cooking, whatever, whichever one it is. Take a hose to it, just kind of clean it up a little bit. Um, let it dry out in the hot sun. Usually that's something to do, you know, maybe toward the end of summer. Um, and just, uh, you know, clean it up a little bit more. I will sometimes take the grates in if they get really, really gross, uh, take them in, soak them in some simple green. I actually picked up a, uh, this thing was, uh, if you go in the, like the concrete section where they actually mix to make cement and you get mm-hmm. those, it's like a big, uh, low black. I mean, it's pretty cheap too. um, mixing container. It's actually big enough to take some fairly large size grates. Oh. Um, that's one of the things I always had trouble doing is getting them to soak well. There's yeah. no <laughs> containers yeah. that you could put them in. Uh, this thing works great. So I fill it with some diluted uh, simple green and just kind of let it sit there and let it eat away at the, you know, the schmutz that's on there. Hmm. Um, but that's not, that's not a frequent thing. I mean, I'm, I'm mostly a hands-off except for the stuff that my food directly touches. Yeah. That's the thing I'm worried about the most. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Uh, the big thing that you want to make sure that you keep an eye on is the ash, especially for mm-hmm. those pellet grills. Um, in uh, Underneath that dampening plate, I'm pretty sure all pellet grills roughly are constructed the same way. Um, yeah. So make sure you sweep that out. Like I know on the manuals it's saying like every, every other cook, um, it depends on what you're cooking. After a brisket, I would definitely want to check that just to make sure. Um, Yeah, and I did say a number, 10 to 20 cooks. I should clarify that I'm often just doing hot grilling on those things. When I say 10 to 20, I'm not doing 10 to 20 briskets on that. Uh, That longer cook is going to produce a lot more ash. Correct. Now, just because the manual says every every other, that doesn't mean I do it either. Um, (laughs) Yeah, they're covering their butts. Yeah, usually when you turn it on, you 
if you have a lot of ash built up down there, you can see it flying. Yeah. Uh, in, in you the don't chain. want that under food. <laughs> you, you don't really want that. Uh, it doesn't yeah. really add to those layers of flavor that you want. So. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we covered that one. Cool. All right. The next one, this one's kind of a fun one. So this is from Alex T and he says, or his question is favorite beverage when cooking outside. (laughs) Well, it depends on what I'm doing. So if I'm cooking Mm -hmm. for the family or whatever, um, I'm an IPA guy. I really enjoy IPAs, but during the summer I have no problem cracking open a white claw. Um, I like some flavored seltzers, but, um, that being said, when I am catering or doing it for someone else, I will not touch any of it for multiple reasons. One, I typically have to deliver all this stuff after it's done cooking. Um, also it makes me sleepy. So if I have a very long cook or multiple days of a cook, there's just no chance, like, no way. Uh, yeah. I just, I, I won't even have any in the fridge. That way I'm not even tempted. So, <laughs> right. But after I deliver, typically the client wants me to stay there and hang out with them or whatever. Okay. Sure. Game on. Yeah. At that point, job's done. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I'm a, I'm pretty boring guys. I don't do a lot of drinking. Most of, <clears throat> excuse me, most of what I have when I barbecue. Hold on. I need some now. Okay, that's better. Most of what I have when I'm barbecuing is this. It's a bottle of water. On the rocks. (laughs) Yeah, just uh, ultimately I don't drink a lot of beer. Um, Especially when it comes to a delicious food that's in my future. And I try to watch what I eat. Um, So when I know that I'm going to be consuming copious amounts of meat with sauce on it, um, I want to. I have this thing where I consider it like real estate in my stomach. And my caloric real estate going to a drink to me is very wasteful. Mm-hmm. I would rather see all of my calories go to that delicious smoked meat. <laughs> so, um, very boring answer, but I will drink water most of the time. If I'm feeling, you know, really crazy, I might have a root beer. Uh, it's one of my favorite beverages, but I, I only allow myself to drink it once in a while. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very boring answer. Mostly a water guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think I'll, <clears throat> For like the backyard people, a lot of people just assume that when you are barbecuing, you have a drink in your hand. And yeah, sometimes yes, but a lot of times no. I mean, it, it's personal preference. Uh, I, I think if it was like a big event, but I'm just out there by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? So if like if I had a, a couple of friends over and I was cooking and everybody's outside and it's it's one of those things. Sure, if we're having yeah. if we have some beer in the house, we might all have a drink. Um, but when I'm out there by myself, alcohol just doesn't come into the equation for me personally. Well, that's where we differ. Um, I, <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> as a teacher, coming home to a nice cold beverage is sometimes pretty nice. So, Sure, yeah. Yeah. I might too if I were a teacher. Kids mm. suck. <laughs> they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could, you could uh, plead the fifth on this one. Yep, that's, yeah. But it is almost I don't summer have to. break. I'm not a teacher. <laughs> almost summer break. <coughs> right. There you go. All right, so we got another one here from Patrick. And this is uh, Leather by Dragonfly, Patrick. What's up, man? Um, so these are going to be both for you. These are uh, recipes, and I don't have any recommendations. Number one, looking for a white sauce recipe. Number two, a recipe for vinegar-based clear sauce. Now, let me tell you, before you give your recipes, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you a quick story about white sauce. Someone told me, you have got to try Alabama white sauce on chicken. And they sent me a bottle, and I think this it was probably some national brand. I can't remember exactly what it was. And I tried it once, and... I got, how do I do this? This is a food show and I want to keep things appetizing. I had a trip to the toilet, let's say, afterwards. I thought it was coincidence. You know, just, okay, well, I ate something and who knows what was going on. Um, So I was like, you know, I'm going to try it again in a week and see, because I did like the flavor. I thought it was delicious. Um, I tried it again in a week. Same thing happened. I don't know what's going on there, but it runs right through me. So huh. I'm very curious if anybody else has a similar uh, experience to me on that one. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it's, it's bad, man. It's the scene. So I do not have that effect with uh, <laughs> Alabama white sauce. And Good. so it, 
the white sauce does come from Alabama. Uh, I forget the name of the place that made it famous, but you can you can figure that out, and then you can actually buy the bottle from down there. But um, yeah. Anyways, it it pairs very well with poultry. Um, and this past Thanksgiving, I used it for turkeys, and wow. Um, I mean, smoked turkey is better than any other kind of turkey, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, even a deep fried, deep fried is pretty good, but smoked you can just really get a lot of different flavors in there um sure but adding that alabama white sauce on it this year oh uh, i'm I'm more of a dark meat fan and you put that on the white meat and it it gives it just a boost and makes you want seconds well what's weird about it too and maybe go back to the first time you saw it to me it looks very unappetizing it does not look like Right? It doesn't, especially when you see people take like a whole chicken and just dip it in the sauce and it comes out looking like you just dipped that thing in heavy cream. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure why I want to eat that. But then you taste it and it's a very different opinion at that point. Yeah, and I'm I'm more of a dipper um, because it's not appealing to look at it. And I don't want to dump (laughs) an entire giant chicken or turkey in the bowl that I just made. Yeah. Uh, And then it's like... Uh, it's probably not contaminated, but in my mind, it's just eh, sure one and done kind of thing. Right. Um, but for the recipe for an Alabama white sauce, you're looking at mayo, um, uh, vinegar or a cider mm-hmm. vinegar, a horseradish, some sugar, uh, some lemon juice, and then any kind of seasoning that you want, um, like a salt, pepper, garlic, however you want to add it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You can find this on anybody's website, but those are the the main ingredients. And I personally love horseradish. I like creamy. I like raw. So this whole sauce to me is just really good. And it's really good on French fries too. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's the horseradish. I'm not, I don't eat a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Just generally speaking, it's not something my body has seen very often. Yeah. I wonder if that's what does it to me because that's the only ingredient in there that's anything new. Vinegars and you know, seasonings and stuff is perfectly normal for me. But uh, the horseradish, I think that might have been the problem. Interesting. I (laughs) wonder if you could replace that with like like a Worcestershire or something like that. Yeah, maybe. I think I just need to get used to it. I have to, you know, acclimate my body Mm -hmm. to the white sauce. I want to be in the club, man. Well, that so like horsey sauce, like if you go to Arby's, I... Yeah, I don't usually get that. (laughs) Oh, I absolutely love horsey sauce. I mean, I like it to the point... I want enough on the bite that my frontal lobe doesn't feel like I need to pound it into a wall, but <laughs> yeah. very close. Yeah. I like the Arby's sauce, like the regular, mm. like the reddish colored mm-hmm. sauce, not the horsey sauce. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, let's see. The other part to his question was the vinegar. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Vinegar yes. based clear sauce. So for vinegar based, you're talking Carolina style. Um, and there's multiple different regions throughout the United States that has their own flavor profile. And mm-hmm. the Carolinas are definitely more known for their mustards and their uh, vinegar sauce. Um, so for one of these, now I've never actually made my own barbecue sauce. Um, it's something that I would like to, but I, I don't have a huge interest in it. There's so many different kinds out there that right. you can tweak and... And whatnot. Now, I will make my own for basting on top of ribs um, to give them that 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 finish off at the end. But yeah. Um, so for I mean, you're talking uh, vinegar, obviously, some brown sugar just for a little bit of sweetness. Ketchup is usually a, a decent amount in there. That's mainly for color. Uh, mm-hmm. Cayenne pepper for a little bit of kick. Red pl- red pepper flakes, uh, and then pepper and salt. Um, obviously you can add a few different seasonings in there to your liking, but very runny, um, typically. Mm-hmm. Are you a there big vinegar to, fan? I mean, I, I, I love vinegar just in general mm-hmm. as a condiment or something as an ingredient. I am a vinegar guy. Like if I have a choice in chips, salt and vinegar all the way. Ooh. If I have a, a sub Jersey style sub, if you go to a place like Jersey Mike's is a good mm-hmm. representation of the kind of subs I grew up with. And they have this thing called the juice, and it's basically their oil and vinegar mix. For most people who've never had it before, it's an excessive amount of vinegar. Mm-hmm. For me, I ask them, can you please give me extra vinegar? Gotcha. I absolutely love vinegar. Um, so, yeah, I got no problems with that. So when it comes to barbecue, most of the time my cooking style 
uh, goes more towards Kansas City style. Um, but anytime I have had, you know, Carolina style, anything with a vinegar based sauce or someone, you know, uh, once sent me a, a bottle of this, I can't remember the name of the restaurant, but it was a particular place that has this kind of vinegar based finishing sauce that goes on pulled pork. So okay. as soon as it's all done, you just kind of douse it and it yeah. just gives it that little bit of like zest to it. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Absolutely delicious. I've never made it myself. And again, with my family being super boring with their palates. <laughs> Gosh, um, dang I, them. I know it's it's like a constant uphill battle. I needed a different family, is what this comes oh, down to. Wow. <laughs> well, going you have to your the cat extreme. family. You, That's you how committed cat family. You know, the cat. Let me tell you about this cat. All right, we took it in to the vet <laughs> to get its you know things taken care of mm-hmm. because now it's our responsibility. We don't want him you know impregnating other cats, so we do that. The problem is, we're remember I told you this last week was pretty crazy, mm-hmm. and we're all very very busy. And the cat had the surgery, and he kept taking his cone off. So oh, I decided, look, let's take him to the house. I don't want him in the house because I have two dogs that are going to kill this cat. Mm-hmm. So let's put him in the storage room, give him a nice warm place to hang out, and we'll be able to watch him there. But he keeps pulling the, the dang cone off he, to the point that he had to have another surgery oh. to, to correct the thing going on with his balls down there or his lack thereof. And, man, it's been this nightmare for this dang cat that we found in the tree. So anyway, Jeez. I'm glad you asked me about the cat. <laughs> I'm sorry for bringing no. up trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly it's a sore subject. Yeah, that cat just needs to stay a conehead for a while. Wow. Yeah, he does. Yeah, hmm. so you know what? I think just looking at the time, do you want to jump to this last question? I think we could spend a, a decent amount of time on this one. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, oh, yeah, we're at 45 or did I? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're uh, definitely getting there. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. I yeah. got my mouse on it. Uh, Jason Bent, I love how our, uh, our woodworking side of things, it's <laughs> working its way into the barbecue mm-hmm. over here. He's asking about burnt ends. Can you walk through burnt ends, uh, what they are, and how do you go about making them? So now, let's clarify, there are two kinds of burnt ends uh, these days, from your biscuit, <laughs> biscuit, brisket, burnt ends to your pork belly mm-hmm. burnt ends. So I thought maybe you might be the guy to cover the brisket uh, burnt ends and I could uh, give a few things on the the ones made from pork belly. Okay. Yeah, and knowing this uh, Jason Bent character. Um, yeah, that guy. I'm going to assume he is talking about brisket just because mm-hmm. I think that's all he knows how to cook. But um, you want to start Jason, with... did you hear that? Oh, he heard me. I can assure you. And he, <laughs> he only knows. cooks them overnight. Because he, I don't know, he likes to sleep, I guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But so there is brisket and then there are pork belly burn ends. And yeah. uh, both are very, very good. But um, so for brisket, uh, I think we've talked about it before a little bit. But um, for the brisket, you've got the two different sections. You've got the flat and you've got the point. The point is where your burnt ends are going to come from. That's where all the fat is. Um, I would say it is usually a good chunk of the overall brisket itself. Um, obviously, each one kind of changes a little bit, but a lot of your meat is going to come from that point. And in order to do this, you smoke it like you normally would. I would suggest keeping it all as one. Um smoking it like normal but don't take it all the way up to the final temp you want to take it uh oh this will be more of like a personal preference or um but i'm when i've only done it once or twice and i think i took it to like 180 ish uh so it still had another 20 to 25 30 degrees to go um Mm. and then you basically want just want to slice through uh, the middle, it's a little bit of an, at an angle, um, and cut off the point, and then you're just going to cube it up. Throw it in a pan, add your, typically this is where the sauce comes in. Um, I believe Kansas City was the one that started the burnt ends, or mm. so I've heard. Um, and you're going to throw your sauce on there. Sometimes people will add honey or extra brown sugar. Uh, mix it all up really well because you want all of those brisket pieces to have um that sauce on all of the edges and then throw it back in the smoker let it cook for a little while longer that's when you're going to really rely heavily on the probe Um, so obviously each piece could be a different temperature but as you probe it or 
even a toothpick if you don't have a probe thermometer. Um, put it in there, and if it goes in with very little resistance, you know it's done. Take them off, let them sit for a little while. Um, I don't think a really long rest on that is going to add any benefit to it other than potentially drying it out, I would assume, mm-hmm. because it's already sliced, so that moisture is going to want to get out. Um, so as soon as it's cool enough to eat, just dive on in. Nice. Mm-hmm. That is exciting stuff. So I'm just Googling because I was curious. Uh, it looks like, let's see, unlike other barbecue items, burnt ends, this is just um, thekitchen.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, burnt ends have a distinct birthplace, or origin story, and an African-American connection. It all began at Arthur Bryant's Barbecue, a legendary African-American restaurant in Kansas City, Missouri, which Bryant ran from 1946 until he died in 82. Okay. So Arthur Bryant's. I've actually been there. Uh, gonna say I was disappointed. Oh. Food was not that great. Um, so I don't know. In 2023, are they as, doing as good as they did back then? I don't know. But it wasn't that great. Uh, mm. But still, it's a legendary place in yeah. uh, Kansas City. Interesting. <clears throat> yeah, it's very cool. Um, well, that's the interesting thing. Like the thing says, most barbecue techniques or you know ways that we're cooking certain pieces of meat really hard to trace back to a single source. Mm-hmm. You know, you might be able to trace it back to a culture or yeah. a time frame, um, but actually tracing it back to a single person or a single restaurant is a little bit uh, trickier to do. Yeah. So pork belly burnt ends. Um, now this is something that I found out recently that it's there. It's kind of a newish thing that it's, it's not necessarily something that's been around for a long time. I believe uh, so. Right. And uh, I was, you know, cause I, I don't know, my barbecue history doesn't go back that far. So, um, but I did, uh, was very surprised to find out that it's fairly recent and it's, you know, a similar idea. You just have really fatty type meat that mm-hmm. you have a lot of schmutz in there. That's going to render really nicely. And you just get these little bite size, the, uh, you know, bites of, of, uh, pork heaven. Mm-hmm. So this is all from uh, pork belly. When you make these things, that's basically the same thing you make bacon from. Um, so not all that different than what you're doing with uh, using the point uh, to make them with beef, except for you're going to start with your raw pork belly and you basically cube it up and you smoke it. It's pork. So you're going to use any kind of pork rub you want. You can go simply seasoned, salt and pepper or full on mustard, dry rub. You know, I kind of treat it like I would treat ribs, um, mm-hmm. the same flavor profile mostly. Um, you arrange these little cubes on a rack and then you smoke them for about, I mean, it depends on, on your temps, but uh, 225 to 250 for maybe two to three hours. And the cool thing about the rack is now you got all these little cubes. They're easier to move and they all get smoke. If you just yes. put them in a pan, you don't get as much smoke coverage. Uh, this way you can kind of move them all together and they get good smoke exposure. Um, you basically just want to form a little bit of a bark. Now, this is where I have gone wrong in the past when I've tried these is I cook them a little bit too long. Mm -hmm. I start to think I'm looking for that deep, rich color that I want to see on my ribs or on other things. And I think if you go that far, you've already rendered a lot of the fat out and you've gone to the point of making them a little bit dry. So you got to be careful uh, with that time at that temperature. Uh, Transfer at that point to an aluminum pan. Add some, it's up to the, the, you know, your personal opinions and what you like. Uh, You could add some butter, some barbecue sauce, honey, brown sugar. You're basically making... Just a delicious concoction of gummy sweet stuff that goes on to these things, right? And you mix it all up real good, cover it with foil, cook for another hour or so, maybe until you hit like 200, 205. And then at that point, when you take them out, if they look like they're a little too drippy, you could always hit them again with a higher heat to kind of crisp them up just a little bit. You don't want to spend too much time on that high heat but it can help thicken up that sauce a little bit. If you think about this, it's not all that different than the techniques we use for ribs, um, where you Mm -hmm. have the smoke period, you have a period where it's covered, so they steam, and then you have another possible additional point where you want to char up some of that sauce. There's so much sugar in these things at that point, it it doesn't take much to get that char. And if you do it right, these little things will be little tiny bite-sized, delicious, rich, uh, unctuous is a word that comes to mind, there's so much fat in there, but it's the kind of fat that you enjoy eating. Oh, I mean, yeah. maybe some people don't, but I, I certainly do. But even as a person who loves barbecue, I a typical pork belly burnt end, I maybe got four in me. Yeah. <laughs> like before I go, oh boy, I need a break. Yeah. Like this, I could tell this is not going to be good <laughs> later on. Yeah. I need a break. They are so rich. So I think 
pork belly burn ends are actually like a great accessory to a barbecue. If you have other things on tap that day, if you have like, if you give me like a couple slices of brisket, some beans, and then maybe two burnt ends, that's a good day yeah. eating barbecue like that. Yeah. And they're relatively cheap. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, they're nowhere near brisket. Uh, right. Sometime, yeah, just a pork belly. Correct. And sometimes they're a little bit harder to find, but um, my local butcher's able to get them. So that would be a good place to start if you do know a butcher. Costco also has them. Okay. Good to know. Mm-hmm. I don't have one close to me, but okay. good to know. Um, and so a pork belly is actually the belly of uh, a pig, and that is also where bacon comes from. Mm-hmm. So just in case anybody didn't know that. Well, if you're thinking, that's the thing when you think about the richness. I mean, bacon, obviously, very rich. We slice it up. You see all the fat that renders in the pan. Just imagine a whole mouthful of it and cooked like barbecue instead of, you know, being uh, cured like bacon. And it's, it, it is fantastic, it, but it is a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to take on every bite, but it's a flavor experience. Yes, it is. Yeah, if, you, if you've never tried it, I highly, highly recommend trying it. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, we're at 50 minutes. I'd say that's pretty good. We got through that's a show. quite a bit. Yeah, and we don't want to burn through all the questions because, uh, you know, we like to have questions on future shows as well. Mm-hmm. I think this is a nice break. We were doing very regimented info shows, and I thought it would be uh, a good idea to just kind of clear out some of the questions and let you guys guide the show a little bit as you listen to it and uh, come up with ideas. We're in, we're full into barbecue season now, right? Yes. So no excuses, guys. Get out there. I say this as encouragement for myself, actually. Yeah. <laughs> no excuse. Get out there, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Get some barbecue going. Yeah, and share it with us on uh, Instagram's like the big one. Um, just yeah. um, at Stall Podcast. Share it with us on there, and we want to see what you're cooking as well. Heck yeah. Awesome. Well, I'd say that was another good uh, good episode. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. We always appreciate it, and uh, I guess we'll see you next time. Yeah, now get out there and do something. Something. Yeah, just something. (laughs) Whatever you want to do. It's fine with us.